Welcome to the Dave Squared Podcast. I'm David Kramer coming to you from Northern California. And I'm Dave Blasco from Arizona. Dave and I have been friends since the early 1980s when we were college roommates. And we finally found a medium to share our wisdom with the world or at least our opinions. Between us, we have two engineering degrees, two master's degree. Dave Blasco has an economics degree. And we have 60 years plus of practical work experience. And we're making this podcast together to try to help each other and hopefully you, the listener, save money. But wait, we're, we're digressing again from the saving money theme. And we're going to talk about some esoteric subject, which I'm sure I'll have to be looked up on as the expert on economics. Mr. Kramer, what is the topic today? Yes, we are abandoning our nanoeconomics theme to talk about uh, a big macroeconomic theme of MMT, which... I'm almost positive, stands for Modern Monetary Theory. That last word was theory. Theory. Interesting. <sighs> and I will tell you, we were chatting a little bit before we started that this is something I didn't learn back in the 1980s in school. We didn't study this, hence the term modern. Uh, yes, but it seems to be all the rage. And if you are interested in economics as a spectator sport like I am, uh, you get a kick out of people going nuts when somebody like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez or Bernie Sanders say, hey, we have to think about this. So it is the rage because of the kind of left-leaning bent of, uh, seems like, the Democratic Party now? Yes. I mean, both of those people admit that they are socialists in some way, shape, or form. I think they call themselves democratic socialists or something. I think so. I think that's true. Um, so that causes a knee-jerk reaction uh, to something that could be a really good idea and I think does give a better understanding of how money is made, not money is made like you and I try and make money by the sweat of our brow or by hawking things on uh, eBay, but how uh, money comes into existence in the first place. Gotcha. We just print more of it. Uh, boy, the MMT people do not like when you say that. They're okay when you say create, though. <laughs> create. Well, I guess today, that's a good point. Today, cash is, uh, the usage of cash is getting smaller and smaller as we move to this uh, virtual cash economy where we have money in an account that we don't really actually transact the, the green the US dollar but uh, back in the day it was a lot more about transacting green pieces of paper with uh, the US on it uh Yes, I, I learned a new word today while researching this, which I can't repeat, and I'm trying to Google it now. Yeah, I'm not sure how you pronounce it. See, you hear those? That's a, a bunch of macroeconomists yapping in the background there. They're arguing. They can't come to a conclusion. <laughs> uh, so I believe the word is seigneurage, which is the profit made by a government by issuing currency, especially the difference between the face value of coins and their production costs. So I saw one uh, person who didn't agree with modern monetary theory saying, no, no, it's not free to print money because you have to subtract the actual cost of the money, which probably was relevant when you were making gold coins, but I would say has absolutely nothing to do with anything when they're all uh, electronic credits on a spreadsheet somewhere. Could be. I think the only thing where it practically makes an impact, I've read this before, is the U.S. penny, 
which uh, I think production costs are, are getting to be a very large percentage of the actual value of the coin itself. That's true. So, Dave, I'm going to put you on the spot. Can you give us the basic underlying theory of uh, the modern monetarists? I'm going to try. I studied a bit here, and I feel on the spot as being an economics major. But I'm going to try here. So there, there are um, five views that they have, an overview. And first one is a government that issues its own money can pay for stuff, right? So it can pay for goods or services without the need to collect money in the form of taxes. And then um, it can't be forced to default on its own currency and is only limited in the amount of money it can create because we said we talked about creation, not printing money. Uh, it's only limited uh, by the it's it's um, limited in its money creation and purchases by inflation. So once inflation gets out of control, that money that money created would be worth less, and can control uh, demand pull inflation. So uh, the government could um, basically tax or issue bonds, remove money from circulation, and then lastly, those four points. I think what I read is most people can agree on, even classical folks. But the uh, the last key point is that the government uh, does not need to compete with the private sector f uh, by issuing bonds. So there's no competition between the government and private sectors. And I think that's the point that uh, economists disagree on. Right. So uh, this only applies, as I understand it, to countries that have a sovereign currency where they they have a a fiat currency that's just based on the credit of the government and they print their own. It's not pegged to any other currency and that gives them the freedom to make money as they see fit. And that would include the U.S. But to your point, some other countries do, I can't think of them off the top of my head, but some countries do use U.S. currency as their currency. Uh, yeah, like some of the Caribbean or Caribbean, if you would, islands uh, just go ahead to either peg their currency to the dollar or uh, because their currency isn't worth much, uh, the U.S. dollar becomes the de facto currency. Okay, so we can create more money in the United States. So here's a question for you, Dave. Yes. If, if this is – so one of their takes is that – uh, first, the government creates taxes. Uh, how am I saying this? No, um, they don't collect taxes and then they have money to spend. They create the money and give it out to people so they can pay their taxes. And since you're never 100% taxed, if you don't run a deficit, then there's zero money in the entire economy, which made my head swim a little bit and I'm probably not expressing it correctly. <laughs> oh my goodness sakes so the the postulation is you can create money give it to folks and uh you you don't have to uh then they can use it to do whatever they want with it right so if you and i created a country and i was in charge i would immediately decide that you have to pay a, a 20 percent tax on the value of all your stereo equipment and the only way you can pay it is in Dave dollars. 
And so you need to go get a job and earn some Dave dollars, which I'm about to create so you can pay those taxes. Otherwise, my Dave police force will come take your stereo equipment and you will have to just hum to yourself. <laughs> so therefore, <laughs> therefore, <laughs> therefore, you're encouraging me to go get a job. Yes. And uh, one of these uh, the fathers of the MMT says that's exactly what happened in Pompeii. And it was all a fiat currency, not based on the value of the coins. And, and that's how it worked. Of course, look how that ended up. So perhaps the gods frown on modern monetary theory. Hmm, maybe Yellowstone will erupt. <laughs> <laughs> Send us all into some sort of post-op. Op, um, so who knows what would happen there, right? My goodness. So here's a question for you, David. It strikes me. Now, there's a difference between uh, monetary policy and fiscal policy, right? For government. Yes. And that I would think this should be called modern fiscal theory. You're just you're suggesting that it should be modern fiscal theory, not modern monetary fiscal instead of monetary. Right. So if tell me if I'm wrong, but fiscal theory is how the government fiscal policy is how the government decides to spend their money. Sure. That, so that's a kind of uh, joint act between the Treasury and Congress with, of course, the approval of the president. And whereas monetary policy is set by the independent Federal Reserve Banks, who mostly control things through their one tool, which is uh, interest rates. Mm -hmm. Setting the setting the uh, in, uh, interest rate. Yep. Yeah. I, I think you can make an argument for that. I'm not sure why. I don't frankly know why you came up with that name. Um, but I think you could go that way because really is a fiscal policy. Uh, I did hear one wag saying that MMT stands for many macroeconomists talking. <laughs> <laughs> and the other wag on the podcast said, I haven't heard that one, but I have heard magical money tree. <laughs> <laughs> Again, the creation, right? Or the printing of money, as I would say. <laughs> so this is uh, appealing to uh, people on the left right at the moment um, because of things like the Green New Deal, which obviously would cost a lot of money. And their argument was, hey, World War II costs a lot of money. And we just created money to pay for it, and it raised the output of the country, and it all worked out. Gotcha. So we could use this for the Green New Deal, create money and and spend some money on green-type activities that might position our country for a better future? Yeah, and apparently that's why, at, at this point, it seems like MMT has baked into it that you have to have full employment. Uh, and that is one of the, the buffers that keeps you from having inflation, that the government employs every single person who wants to have a job. And that as soon as the economy starts to as like wages start to inflate, those people will go out and get better jobs. And um, that will cool things off a bit, if I'm understanding it correctly. So they'd get a they they would go get a uh, they wouldn't they would get a different job in that case yeah and the thought there's a there's a lot on that in some of the thinking uh i should probably just pretend these are my opinions because it does sort of make sense but that unemployed 
people are undesirable to regular employers because they can't get references. Nobody knows whether they show up or if they have a drug problem. But if you had some kind of job where you could prove a work history, you'd be much more employable. And hopefully, you'd be producing something that was of use to society. Interesting. Huh. I've always, uh, you know, I think about there's a lot of folks uh, in prison because of our uh, three strikes and your outlaws. And it strikes me as some of those people who are maybe caught for selling drugs or something like that are probably entrepreneurial and could be doing something good out in society. You know, the nonviolent ones, of course, but maybe there's something going on there. Um, yeah, I, I agree. Um, that'll probably be a separate episode, though, about the downsides of private prisons and putting nonviolent fenders away. Yeah. Um, so All right. Back to MMT. Back to MMT. MMT, um, modern fiscal theory. So, so this is the, the first thing that comes up when you talk about just generating your own money to pay bills. People start worrying about what happened in uh, post-World War II Germany. Um, uh, there was an African country, I forgot, that had hyperinflation. Huge and inflationary pressure, right? Yeah, and Venezuela is is going through the same thing right now. Um, you know, where you get paid a hundred pesos on Monday, and it won't even buy you a, a glass of milk on Tuesday. Right. Um, I I think part of the problem is, as you argue about this, is that our currency is now a fiat currency that's solely based on the government saying that it's worth something. And us all believing it, but uh, not that long ago, it was based on a gold standard, right? So and, since it was wor- and that money was worth so much gold, but no longer. It's basically worth. It's basically backed by the the, the credit of the U.S. government, right? So this is what occurred to me: is that um, the way our government works now, which is when we have a split government, the Republicans and the Democrats uh, compromise on agreeing to lower taxes and increase spending. And I don't want to say ignore, but don't do a whole lot about deficit spending, uh, is that perhaps we are living this way already and nobody wants to admit it, that uh, we are just deficit spending ourselves, trying to buy everybody bread and circus so they'll all be happy and vote for my party whatever party that might be gotcha because we are running the largest deficit right now i think ever a trillion dollars i think a trillion dollars with a t yep um which does sound worrying worrisome uh i think the problem with it is that money is an agreed upon illusion you know, it's just a green piece of paper. Uh, if you and I decide I don't need any green paper, then it doesn't do anybody any good. We each have to believe that it's worth something. Um, and if everybody began to believe that the government can issue unlimited money, then the full faith would be eroded. You right? Would think, you would, yeah, you would think that there might be some inflationary pressures there. I, I would think. Right. So like if I owned a bar and you came in, nicely dressed, polite person, and I said, 
and you said, oh, here's five bucks for my first drink. And I say, no, what? go ahead, run a tab. I trust you. Um, and you're like, great, four drinks for everybody. I wouldn't serve those four drinks to everybody, right? <laughs> you you've, just, you. you've just pushed past my faith in your ability to pay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, according to the MMT folks, they can dial back in any inflationary pressures by raising taxes or issuing bonds, they say, to remove um, excess money from the system. So I'm not sure if we've ever seen that in, in practice yet, maybe in some cases, but uh, I think that's the active debate that's going on in that area. Yeah, and they do tie it in with the idea of uh, having automatic triggers, which is probably a good idea no matter what. Like. Yeah, I'd say for politicians, automatic triggers are, are good because otherwise, to your point, politicians would like to lower taxes and raise spending. Yeah, I, I'm i not exactly sure what automatic triggers they can do. Some of the ones they've done in the past have really come back to haunt them. Um, uh, but I think it's a good idea if some smart people could come up with a way that everyone agrees on. Has hmm. uh, any... To your knowledge, has anybody tried this uh, in any uh, in any country? I don't know. Aside from us <laughs> and not admitting it, I, I don't know. So I did see one uh, anecdote where uh, someone arguing against MMTs pointed out that in 1968, uh, Johnson raised taxes in order to balance the budget uh, in the hope that that would start bringing down uh, inflation, which had started to get out of control, but inflation got even worse. Hmm. Uh, though the counterpoint I heard was uh, that was 1968 and we were still on the gold standard. So uh, we couldn't print our own money. It was a different situation. Hmm. Interesting. So I. I was reading about it, and certainly there there seems to be a lot of criticism of the theory from, I guess, mainstream folks, as I was just looking to research t today to discuss this. Yeah, it doesn't... It kind of feels to me like it might be true, and it might be... A good idea, but I don't think it is comprehensible enough to make people feel secure about it, and that it would undermine the uh, the mutual illusion we have, which is the uh, economy. Yeah, and we don't want people to go back to bartering. That bartering is uh, very inefficient, right? And that's well. A lot of folks would say that money was created to help solve the solve the barter problem, which is an inefficient way of doing business. Because you you may not need the services I have to provide, and it's just a lot easier for us to transact in something that we can use right away. Yeah, and I think one of the challenges is in actually measuring inflation. Um, that there's an argument. Well, I. People are saying, well, look at uh, Japan. They have been pumping money out as fast as they can, buying back debt, and they've had their interest rates, rates set at essentially zero for decades now, and they're still suffering from deflation. 
they would love to have a little bit of inflation and they can't induce it no matter how hard they try. Um, which is a pretty powerful argument. Um, but in our country, I'm a little concerned that inflation is not being measured appropriately. That, uh, whereas things like computers and even cars and McDonald's dinners and aren't going up, that's because we've been effectively imp- increasing productivity, you know, robot sandwich makers and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but meanwhile, all sorts of price increases have gone into things like real estate, the stock market, cryptocurrencies. And these are things that are not measured in the CPI. Um, and that that greatly contributes to um, uh, the wealth difference between the wealthiest and poorest people in this country. And uh, and eventually, though, makes it very, very difficult for you and I to pay for our kids to go to college. Yeah, certainly, I like to say that pretty much everything in the world has gone down in price in real dollars in the last 30 years, except for... Uh, Medical care and college tuition, right? Which are two biggies for for uh, medical care for everybody and college tuition for about, I don't know, 35, 40% of the population if you're helping your kids pay or your kids themselves if they're paying themselves. Yeah, and as the statistician said with his head, of, head in the oven and his feet in a bucket of ice, on average, I'm fine. Yeah, yeah. But it, you, it is true, like almost everything you can think of is a bit ch- is it ch- is cheaper than it was 30 years ago. Um, but for those two big things, college tuition and medical care. Well, and housing costs, at least on the on the east and west coast of the country, are kind of skyrocketed. Yeah, that that is true. Where you live, they are going. Uh, it's uh, it's sanity levels, if you ask me. And even even where I live, there's been some pretty serious pressure um to go up but not nothing like you guys see there on the west coast yeah so i I think it's an interesting discussion and i wanted to talk it through with you so i could understand it as people talk over my head about things i don't like that um but i actually couldn't think of a microeconomic effect of this how it could affect your family and my family unless it's at the macro level I don't know. I guess if we were, if we had full employment, I guess. Well, I, I guess the only thought process would be that it would maybe spur some inflationary pressures, and could the economists control that inflationary pressures? That's the thing I would potentially see that we'd see some inflationary pressures for trying to shoot for full full on full employment. Yeah, I did notice something this week. The California is strongly considering they've got some legislation to control rent increases and they want to cap it at uh, inflation plus either five or seven percent. Oregon passed a law like this just recently. But on top of that is a cap of not to exceed 10 percent. And you and I were young back then, but in 1981, uh, LIBOR, the London, the the short term interest rate got over 21 percent. So if you owned, uh, if you were a small landlord and you were capped at 10% rates while inflation was 20%, you'd be screwed. Yeah, it, it is true. I remember, I remember those days. I remember um, having uh, saving some money from a summer job and having it in a CD for a year and earning some phenomenal interest rate. Of course, it was uh, dialed back by the, the rate of inflation at that point. 
Yeah, I think the interest loan interest on my first car loan was eight percent in nineteen eighty six or something. And I thought that was a steal. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Now I think you can get car loans for a bit under four percent, depending on what it is. Maybe even a little bit lower than that. Uh, yeah. When you see a, a car offer with zero percent uh, interest, it's not that attractive. You do the math; that's only a couple hundred bucks. Yeah, that's uh, how times have changed. But that's a, a good point. So if you cap that, there could be. It's interesting. I. We've had such a low inflation for such a long time frame. It, it seems like that's not even possible anymore in my, when I think about that. Yeah. So I think while it's an interesting exercise, I think we have to stick with the scorekeepers we have, which is the deficit and the debt and the Federal Reserve Bank sort of keeping score um, because um, – I just don't think you could rewrite rules with such a broad brush and just say, Meh, I don't care if Moody's says that the U.S. treasuries are no longer AAA, they are BBB minus. Um, because the people buying the people need places to invest their money that's safe or just someplace to park their money. And mm -hmm. if they start changing the rules on the system, the whole thing could go to pieces. You would certainly want to, uh, if, if you felt you were going, not going to get paid back, you'd want to earn more on that interest, right? Risk and return go together, so you wouldn't have such low borrowing um, capability, I would think, at that point. Yeah, and I can't remember how much money is circulation, but it's many, many orders of magnitudes more than paper money exists. So if people lost faith and ran to the banks, it would all come down pretty fast. Poten potentially, but yeah, potentially. And I find as I'm reading about this stuff and thinking about it, and occasionally my eyes start to glaze over, I say, huh, I can see why people keep money in gold and diamonds and other solid things that you can pick up and throw in a suitcase and run away with. <laughs> yes, I, could, I can see there, there would be a need for that. For some people. For most people, I think you'd probably be okay with the U.S. dollar. I, I think, yeah, we should stick with that for a while and not undermine it too much. Though I guess there's an argument that a weaker dollar might be better for the world and possibly better for us. Good for exporters? Yeah. Oh. All right. Well, I think we've beaten this to death since neither of us are experts in it. Uh, and uh, I think uh, the people who are experts in it are making it all up because – it seems like nobody's ever actually done it this way. We got to try sometime. Who knows? Maybe after the next election, we'll be trying this out. Uh, yeah. So I think it's my turn for a Dave save. If that's Tip of the day. Yes, let's do it. So here's something. I don't know about you, Dave, but I am subscribed to very, at least several uh, movie streaming type services. Um, and if you're in a rush, it's pretty easy to pay for something that you already paid for. So there's a couple of services out there that will check and tell you where any film is available. Um, there's two that I've tried. Neither are perfect, but, uh, they're both worth trying. One is called, uh, can I stream it dot it. So C A N I S T R E A M dot mm -hmm. it. 
And the other one is uh, justwatch.com, J-U-S-T-W-A-T-C-H. Um, and they will tell you where you can rent it, where it's available, um, and uh, might save you 20 or 6 or $3. That's a, that's a good tip because I know we have the uh, Amazon Fire TV stick, and Amazon will tend to put their content to the top and want you to pay for something that you might be able to get somewhere else for free and forget to tell you about that. Yeah, so I find that they're doing a better job of letting you know it's on Hulu or something. Um, they won't tell you, though, if it's on cable. And I think you've co- totally cut the cord, but we still have that cord going, so it makes me feel better if I can find an episode of Caesar Milan Dog Whisperer for free rather than paying $1.99. It, it, it adds up. Yeah. Well, All good right. tip. Uh, anything else for our studio audience, Dave? I don't have anything else. Just waiting for fall to get here. All right. Well, if anyone has uh, comments or suggestions or are offended by our macroeconomic theories, uh, feel free to email us at DaveSquaredPodcast at gmail.com. Uh, rate us and review us if you could on Apple Podcasts. That would help other people get the word. Um, and, uh, as, uh, Dave and I have discovered, we are just about the modal American. It's a big group of us out there and I'm sure all us, uh, Gen X slash cuspers, uh, would love to hear our opinions on everything. (laughs) All right, Mr. Kramer, I'll talk to you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. 